From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. It's a pleasure to welcome 6th District Congressman Derek Kilmer. And uh, first of all, the most surprising thing I've seen all week is this picture of you in Arkansas online uh, hobnobbing with a Republican. I didn't think you guys spoke to each other, even your official capacities, uh, to say nothing of spending your leisure time together. So what was behind that? Well, it wasn't vacation. Uh, <laughs> I did not take my vacation to Northwest Arkansas. Uh, I've participated now a few times in uh, what they call the congressional exchanges, where I've brought a Republican colleague to my district, and then I've gone to theirs. And uh, uh, Arkansas Congressman Steve Womack came out earlier this year, and it was actually really interesting to get to share with him some of the opportunities and challenges in my district. We went up Hurricane Ridge in the National Park, and the Park Service did an amazing job of talking about the park maintenance backlog. Uh-huh. And as we went down the mountain, he said, now, you know, Kilmer, now I understand why you talk so much about the maintenance backlog Good. in the park system. I took him to the Port of Tacoma, and the and the Port did a bang-up job of saying, here's how many containers come from Arkansas and go to the rest of the world through our port. Here's how many containers come into our port and end up in Arkansas. And as we left there, all of a sudden, you know, the conversation around freight mobility in the Puget Sound region became relevant to a guy from Arkansas. And part of the reason I've participated in these exchanges is I think part of the way we better get a better understanding of where people are coming from is to actually see where people are coming from, to yeah. actually understand That sounds like a great idea. So what did you learn about Arkansas? Uh, I think um, we have a lot of similar challenges. Uh uh, you know, we visited the University of Arkansas. It turns out students in Arkansas also concerned about student debt. Uh, we met with a, a, a lot of large employers out there, and uh, their concerns about infrastructure in particular came up quite a bit. I think there's a real appetite. You know, and it's why when we've chatted before and you've said, what, what do you think might get done in this Congress? I think hope springs eternal that you could see forward motion on an infrastructure bill because whether you're in a blue district or red district or purple district, uh, we've we've got uh, a real challenges sure. in terms of uh, congestion and, and so failing does, bridges. Where does that stand now? Uh, I think we will see some action probably for, before the year is out out of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. There's... Um, you know the 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 this is one of those areas of the Venn diagram where there's actually uh, agreement between Democrats and Republicans. Mm-hmm. This is one of those areas of shaded overlap, and uh, I think where the sticking point will be, as it has been in recent years, is trying to figure out uh, how best to pay for it. The president has called for uh, as high as a two trillion dollar uh, infrastructure package. I don't think that's likely to happen. Um, in large part because of those questions about how to pay for it. But I think there is an effort to try to figure out, okay, is there a, is there a place where this can land that makes sure that we're addressing, you know, the American Society of Civil Engineers says that American infrastructure grades out at a D plus. And, yeah, uh, and we drive on that every day. We do. We do. concerning I, to me. I, I got to experience a bit of that on my way up here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> do we get our, in, I mean, the way I look at it is when you get a federal grant, it's it's just, we're just getting our income tax money back, you know, to pay for stuff that, that we use. Do we get our share back? And federal gas tax dollars back, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the other piece of this. And I think there, you know, there, uh, it depends on uh, on the year. It depends on the, on the program. Um it is undeniable that we have significant infrastructure challenges. And, and I would add, 
I actually think it's important that we think of, of infrastructure more comprehensively. Bear in mind, I represent a district that is in the bottom 20% of the country when it comes to access to high-speed internet. And, uh, you know, you've got uh, schools in my district. You've got students in my district that aren't able to access the, the internet uh, through high-speed internet. And that represents a big problem just in terms of being able to get the education that kids need, being able to start a business if you're in a remote rural area. Uh, and, you know, this gets beyond whether you can watch season three of Stranger Things on Netflix and see if the kids may have the upside down. Yeah, it's, but, it's, but it's do you have economic opportunity? And so I've got a bipartisan bill called the Broadband for All Act that if Congress takes up infrastructure, having a bill like that, having proposals that bridge that digital divide, I hope will be part of it. Now, I know you don't represent the, the Seattle area, but um, we have an initiative coming up on the ballot, I-976, which has the potential of cutting uh, a huge chunk of the sound transit budget. And uh, you're on appropriations. Does that put any of the federal money for that project in jeopardy if that were to pass? I know it puts uh, uh, the further expansion of of light rail to our region, to the South Sound at risk. Um, we've, and to your earlier question, we have actually been able to secure a fair amount of federal support uh, as part of the Sound Transit expansion, including as we um, uh, see the link expansion up onto the hilltop you know, these are areas that where mobility is a, is a very legitimate issue and um, trying to connect uh, neighborhoods uh, and parts of Tacoma to, um, to the prosperity that's been felt in other places, I think is actually really important. And I'd hate to see that put in jeopardy. Um, uh, I've also heard from some of the um, uh, county transit agencies that are really concerned uh, about the potential to see um, uh, uh, routes having to be cut. Um, I was just last week at Tacoma Community College's Gig Harbor campus, and I asked their leadership, you know, what's keeping you up at night? And what they said was, uh, we have a lot of, 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 of students and potential students who live out on the Key Peninsula, and uh, it's hard for them to get transit access uh, to the campus. And those challenges will only uh, exacerbate if we see substantial sources of funding cut from our transit agencies. Now, when you're back in the district during these uh, these recesses, I take it you don't spend a lot of time kicking back and relaxing. You are usually uh, meeting with people. And what is on their minds lately? What is it that they – first of all, what, what do they think about Congress? They think you're doing your job? Well, I think there's uh, a general exhaustion with the partisan bickering. Um, you know, I, I represent – I got into this job really with two goals in mind, one to try to have the economy work better for the folks I represent and two to have – Congress work better, period. And that has absolutely shaped my approach to this job in terms of the things I work on, a lot of the things that I work on, including, you know, some that I just talked about, the Broadband for All Act. We just introduced a bill that's focused on trying to reduce student debt and expanding the Pell Grant program. Uh, Some uh, uh, initiatives in our office focused on rural economic development, trying to extend uh, the transit line to parts of Tacoma that might not otherwise have it, work on behalf of the Puget Sound Naval Shipyard. All of that work is really focused on uh, trying to ensure that no matter what zip code you live live in, you have a shot that you can earn a good living. The other thing that I focus on is uh, how do you just make government work better, period. And it's why, you know, I took a couple days out to go to northwest Arkansas to engage a Republican colleague uh, and get a better understanding of 
of his district's challenges. It's why I co-chair a group in Congress called the Bipartisan Working Group, which is a group of a dozen Democrats and a dozen Republicans who meet for breakfast every week when we're back in D.C. and try to figure out where we can find some common ground. Uh, I now chair a a committee in Congress about every 20 or 30 years or so. uh, Congress realizes things aren't working the way they ought to, and they create a committee to do something about it. And this year, that committee is called the Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress, uh, which may need to rebrand. But um, I was asked by the speaker to chair that committee. And our real focus is trying to ensure that uh, Congress does a better job of uh, of serving the American people. I think it is undeniable that, one, Congress is, according to recent polling, less popular than head lice, colonoscopies, yeah. and nickelback. And unfortunately, uh, too often it earns uh, those low low marks. Yeah. And yet, for all these attempts at harmony, the uh, there is no infrastructure bill yet. And it's, I mean, we were promised that by the president. I mean, everybody wants it. It's not there. There are still questions about which direction healthcare is going to go, and we still hear stories of people who are bankrupted simply because they had the misfortune to um, to become ill. So, um, what would it take to to actually uh, move the ball here? Yeah, I, I actually think there's two areas where uh, you know the, the 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 magic eight ball suggests there's a greater probability of progress on a couple issues in particular. Uh, infrastructure is one of them, in part because of the dynamic I just mentioned, uh, where you've got the president, uh, uh, Republicans in Washington, D.C., and Democrats in Washington, D.C., saying, hey, this is something that our constituents are clamoring for. Uh, there's a couple others. Um, prescription drug pricing, I think. Uh, you've seen uh, a, a very comprehensive bill put forward in in the House to focus on reducing the cost of prescription drugs. Interestingly, a similar effort has been undertaken in the U.S. Senate, uh, mm-hmm. where a Republican has has pushed a bill. Um, you've heard the president say that this is a priority for him. I think there's a good chance that you could see something move forward on that. And then the final one where I think you could see some forward motion uh, is on uh, the, the modernization of NAFTA on the U.S.-Mexico-Canada uh, trade agreement. There are some outstanding issues that need to be addressed around uh, protections for workers, uh, on environmental protections, on enforcement, and on uh, and on uh, pharmaceutical issues, but there this is an area where you've seen uh, a pretty active engagement between Democrats in the House and the administration, tr- trying to see if there's a pathway to yes there. You know, in part because I think there's a recognition that NAFTA needs to be uh, modernized, um, but. Uh, if you're going to do it, this is sort of a once-in-a-generation opportunity to do it, and we got to make sure it gets done right. And so those conversations are ongoing. I think these are things that could move forward, even in the midst of a lot of the hullabaloo that, uh, well, that we're seeing out you, of our nation's can capital. This, can this happen while impeachment's going on? I think Congress needs to walk and chew gum at the same time. You know, listen, there are five committees in Congress that have some jurisdiction over, uh, you know, over the impeachment conversation. Obviously, the Intelligence Committee is the one that um, is sort of running point on the Ukraine issue. But there are, I think, another 15 or 16 committees in Congress, including the Appropriations Committee on which I serve. And each of those committees has a job to do, too. The Transportation Infrastructure Committee has a job to do in terms of trying to modernize America's infrastructure. The Appropriations Committee has to keep the lights of government on uh, and make sure that we're not having another government shutdown. Uh, Is that a possibility? 
Well, the can has been kicked to uh, to right before Thanksgiving uh, with something called a continuing resolution that basically takes last year's spending and just continues it forward for a couple months. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and, and, and listen, the House, and this gets to your question around uh, actually legislating, you know, the House has actually passed, I think, more than 250 pieces of legislation out in, in, and frankly, the vast majority of which have been bipartisan bills. Um, Senator McConnell, uh, Leader McConnell in the Senate, has uh, referred to his legislative graveyard and uh, calls himself the grim reaper of legislation. And unfortunately, that also applies to government spending bills, where while the House has passed 10 uh, appropriations bills, the Senate has passed zero. And um, we are still a bicameral uh, legislative branch. And at some point, the Senate's going to have to, if there's going to be a spending bill, the Senate's got to pass some. And um, I think some of the holdup there has been on uh, on the issues around the border wall. And um, those issues need to be resolved. And so to your question of whether there's a chance that there'd be a government shutdown, let me say up front, I think government shutdowns are absolutely stupid. They're incredibly damaging for taxpayers. They're incredibly damaging for folks who work uh, for the federal government, including the uh, thousands and thousands of people who work at Naval Base Kitsap in my district who are absolutely uh, damaged when there is a government shutdown. Uh, and it's damaging to our economy. We, we saw out of the last government shutdown the impact that that had on economic growth in our country uh, not according to Derek Kilmer, according to uh, independent economists who said that this um, hurt jobs and it hurt uh, our, our, our GDP in the process. So um, uh, we should not have a government shutdown, but um, you know we've seen, unfortunately, a fair amount of chaos created by this president. And uh, so you can't rule out the fact that um, you know if he says, I won't sign a spending bill unless it includes $10 billion for a border wall, who knows what happens? Yeah. Did you did your district lose any military projects to fund the wall? Uh, it did. Uh, at submarine base Bangor, there was a project that the Navy had identified as important to national security that the Defense Department had prioritized as part of its military construction program. It was a project that was supported by Democrats and Republicans uh, and funded in our appropriations bill that the president signed. And uh, and yet um that money was uh, was swept uh, when the president decided to take executive action to to steal money out of these defense projects and put it towards a border wall. Um, the concern is this was for um, uh, a maritime security force that uh, basically provides protection for our nuclear submarines that come uh, in and out of submarine base Bangor. You can understand why that's a national security priority. I think it's worth acknowledging also that it's not like just because the House uh, is under new management this year that Congress has decided not to fund the president's uh, proposed wall. Under Republican leadership uh, in the past Congress, Congress didn't fund the border wall. And, uh, you know, this this is obviously something that is being litigated, including by our attorney general uh, and I believe that this is a, a misuse of executive authority that probably will not pass uh, constitutional muster. But damaging to national security, damaging to jobs in Kitsap County, uh, and a real concern to me and to others. The uh, 
the president is convinced that Democrats are, are simply out to get him and will stop at nothing to bring him down. Is that, I mean, what do you guys talk about when, when that subject comes up around the Capitol? There is not uh, a sense of glee or zeal around the um, movement forward with an impeachment inquiry. I think people are pretty solemn about it. It is a grave thing to do. I think there's an understanding that this is a divisive process in the midst of a uh, time in our politics where our country is already too divided. And yet uh, there's an understanding that each of us uh, who serves uh, members of Congress and the president, for that matter, uh, takes an oath uh, to uphold the Constitution. We take that oath pretty seriously, and part of our obligation is within the legislative branch to conduct oversight. And um, you and I have talked before about some of the concerns around, particularly around obstruction that were raised in the Mueller report. But beyond that, you know, I think you really saw sort of a crossing of the Rubicon when the president openly, uh, in 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 the light of day, uh, asked foreign leaders for help digging up dirt on a political rival. You know, that is not just an abuse of power that is a concern to our national security. And uh, and so you've seen now the House moving forward with an impeachment inquiry. Um, uh, that investigation is, is underway, not just to understand what happened in one conversation between the president and the Ukrainian leadership, but also to understand uh, some of the things that weren't happening in the light of day. And we'll see where that process goes. Are you open to the possibility that there were elements within the CIA and the FBI that were improperly trying to undermine the president? Because uh, he's got I mean, he's got his own investigation underway now, which is being run by the attorney general. And that's what they're looking for. Listen, there's a, a, I've heard a tremendous number of conspiracy theories out of uh, out of this White House, out of the president and out of those who work for him. Um I, I think what is clear is you've actually, by the president's own words, uh, heard him admit to asking foreign leaders f- uh, for help digging up dirt on a political rival. And to me, saying that that's wrong is not a Democratic issue or a Republican issue. It's just a matter of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to ask, uh, you know, I, and I listen, I've heard some folks say, you know, is, is, is this Democrats not accepting the outcome of the 2016 election? And what I'd respond to is, Listen, I didn't vote for the guy, but I accept that outcome, um, and I accept that he swore an oath to uphold the Constitution, and so did I, uh, and that's an oath I take seriously. I've heard some people say, well, this is an attempt to short-circuit the 2020 election, and why don't Democrats just allow this process to play out and the November election to take place? I think that would be easier, that would be an easier suggestion to accept if the things that the president is, if the concerns about the president's actions didn't directly relate to his attempts uh, to try to dig up dirt on a rival in the 2020 election, um, you know, but, and but beyond, the Republicans are not, are not convinced that there's really anything there. They either say, like uh, with the with the China comment, I I heard a, a report from Republicans saying he's just joking, and you should know that. You know, there, are, so that that seems to be the the explanation. And I'm I'm just curious when you. I assume from time to time you you have lunch with a Republican colleague. Does yeah. this does this come up? Uh, is there? Do they tell you? Don't name any names, but do they tell you in private? Yeah, you know, if we had our way, uh, he wouldn't be doing this. I mean, I'm just trying to get the sense of uh, as as people, 
um, what you think ought to happen here. Well, let's stick with the the realm of what has been said in public. You've now seen some senators, including Senator Romney and Senator Sass, uh, and and to some degree uh, Susan Collins from Maine, say, "Hey, this is concerning that that that, that the president's words matter," and uh, and express concern about asking uh, asking a foreign country to dig up dirt on a political rival. Um, I wish we could see more uh, elected Republicans express that concern. And I don't say that um, from a partisan standpoint. I would say that because if if the shoe were on the other foot and if Barack Obama had openly stood before and said, hey, um, hey, hey, China, please dig up dirt on, on Mitt Romney or John McCain, I would have said that's wrong. Well, I mean, Trump is sort of alleging that's what, that's what Hillary Clinton's people tried to do. But in this, in this current situation, the shoe is kind of on the other foot in that um, Joe Biden has not really explained how his son got those jobs and, and whether it was because of, of his political connections. Do you think that, that the Biden campaign should be more forthcoming about just what that relationship was? I think there's a, a lot of conspiracy theorizing. Most of the allegations that the Trump campaign is uh, uh, are, that they're articulating have been rebutted and uh, had and have been found n- not credible. Um, the notion that somehow uh, Vice President Biden uh, was involved in um, uh, uh, seeking a, a Ukrainian prosecutor to get um, removed. To serve the interests of his son, if you believe that, then you also have to believe that uh, that involved Vice President Biden convincing several Republican members of the United States Senate to also call for that prosecutor's removal, and most of of our allies in Europe to also call for that prosecutor's removal. Um, that sort of strains credibility. That's why this gets put in the realm of sort of Fox News conspiracy theorizing, uh, not legitimate fact. And I, I think it's important as these issues get deliberated to ground it in fact. It's why I'm concerned about uh, some of the remarks of some of my Republican colleagues. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched some of the Sunday morning shows this week. And honestly, I can't tell if the things they are saying if they actually believe what they're saying, in which case they're working off an entirely different fact base uh, than um, uh, than most objective sources are, or if they're just spinning um, and they're doing political spin in hopes of uh, trying to appease the president's base or trying to get a, a, a happy and encouraging tweet from the president. Um, either way, I'm concerned by that because... As I said, I swear an oath to uphold the Constitution. So do my Republican colleagues, and that oath comes before any loyalty to party. If this does come to articles of impeachment, and it looks like it it will, because as you say, there seems to be more evidence every day, and you have to take that vote, does that end up jeopardizing some of the cross-party relationships that you have made with people like uh, Representative Womack of, of Arkansas? I hope not. I mean, I, I look at part of my role is to stand my ground uh, when I think this administration is doing something wrong, uh, when I think they're doing something that uh, is contrary to our values. And I've, I've been outspoken when they've, 
you know, separated children from their families at the southern border or when they've uh, done things that I thought represented an abuse of office. But the other part of my job is working to find common ground when, uh, you know, we have divided government right now. We have a U.S. Senate that's in Republican control. We have a Republican in the White House. And if I'm going to get things done on behalf of my constituents, I've got to work to try to find that common ground where we can. And I spoke uh, to a few of those issues where I think that's possible on issues like infrastructure and broadband and uh, and and um, uh, issues like trying to reduce drug prices. I, I hope that those issues can still move forward even as Congress takes up uh, these very divisive issues. And listen, there have been divisive issues before. You know, in the last Congress, uh, you saw that level of division on efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act, which I was dead set against. And it actually really bothered me because I have a lot of constituents who have benefited from uh, that law, who have pre-existing conditions, um, who really woke up worrying each day that they could be denied the opportunity to see a doctor um, simply because of a pre-existing condition. And those were really divisive issues, and it really bothered me. And we would have those tough conversations with our Republican colleagues and then still find stuff that we could work on together. And so my hope is, and listen, the American people are exhausted with political bickering. Um, They want to see progress on their behalf. And that doesn't mean we turn a blind eye when there's issues of concern around abuse of office. That doesn't mean Congress shouldn't uh, uphold its obligations to do oversight of the executive branch. But it means we've got to work that much harder to try to figure out where we can move forward on behalf of issues uh, for the people. Sixth District Representative Derek Kilmer. Derek, thank you very much. You bet. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in. 